0: So, I've been thinking about going to this restaurant my whole entire life. I'd want to go there so badly, but just before after after we booked the trip, I got an email from Expedia who we booked it through about I don't know, maybe two months before we were actually supposed to go on the trip. And in this email, it said, "Your flight's been canceled. Contact us." And so I did, and I was like, "Oh, at first, I was that added more stress, and then I contacted them, and the person I talked to said. Oh yeah, no. We could deal with this. All that we need to do is email the person that, or the the airline that you're going through, and they're going to get back to us. Five to seven days, you'll have a new flight. I'm like, okay, great. Five to seven days pass. I hear nothing. I call them. They say, oh, they didn't get back to us. We're going to send another email. I'm like, oh, okay. Another five to seven days pass. Nothing. I call them. They're going to send another email. This happened. So many times. Um, I definitely called them probably 20 times by the end of it all. And what happened was I got to the point where on my last call with them, there was so much stress because it was everything throughout the year building, all the stress of having to call them a million times and all the stress of maybe not being able to go on this trip. The last time I called, the person answered and they said, hold on, let me just see if I have the contact details for the airline. And I'm thinking, same thing's gonna happen, that always happens, they're gonna send an email, we're about two weeks out from when we're supposed to fly. And then the person comes back, and says, oh yeah, uh, we got a flight book for you, just right here, you want, you wanna go on this flight? I'm like, what, it was that easy? What? What, where, where, what was everyone else doing? And I said, thank you, thank you so much, guy, you deserve a raise, you deserve all the best things in life, thank you so much. And he was just like, okay, um... Do you have any more things you need from me? I was like, no, but thank you so much. And from then on, we got to go on this trip. It was amazing. We got to go to this restaurant I always wanted to go to my whole life. And we let go of all of our stress. We got to go there and everything we got to let go of. And it made the whole experience that much better. That's me at the restaurant. <laughs> and because we went there and let go of all our stress... It just made it more amazing. We weren't really staying in contact with everyone back home. We were just focused on the moment, focused on what we were doing. And all the stress and baggage we let go of when we got there. Speaking of baggage, uh, I have some baggage on this stage that I'd like to talk about. Actually, I'd like to ask for two volunteers. I One of the volunteers I talked to already, Mitch over there, and uh, Deanne, you can help out. Come on up. Thanks, guys. Oh yeah. <laughs> so that you you could stand there, Mitch. Deanne, you could sit there. Okay. Um, so it's very important. What I'm going to ask you guys to do, very very important. So Deanne, I'd like you to just pick up that bag and put it on your lap, and just hold it there as you sit. Is it good? Is it heavy? Is it light? You feel comfortable? Okay. It's a, it's a light suitcase. Mitch, I'd like you to just hold that suitcase up. Wait, actually, don't don't not yet, not yet. I'm going to explain some stuff uh, about the Bible verse we're going to read that I think is important background information, and while I do that, I need you to hold that suitcase up. All right, just hold it up. Hold it high, like to your chest. There you go. It's very important that you hold it like that this whole time. You got it? I got it. You're good? Okay. You sure? No. Nope. Don't, <laughs> don't drop it. So, before we get into this Bible verse, I'm going to talk to you guys about Pharisees a little bit. As many of you know, they're all over the Bible, all getting mad at Jesus for different things. But there's some information, just in case you don't know about Pharisees, I want to go over. So the Pharisees were an influential religious sect within Judaism in the time of Christ and the early church. And they were known for their emphasis of oral tradition in addition to the written law and their teaching that all Jewish people should observe all 600 plus laws in the Torah. You good? Great. Great. The Pharisees were mostly middle class businessmen and leaders of the synagogues. But, and this is important, they had popular support with the people. The Pharisees accepted the written word as inspired by God, but they gave equal authority to oral traditions. Evolving over the centuries, their traditions had the effect of adding to God's word. The traditions they added were not the word of God, which is important. And Jesus himself had said that their teachings are merely human rules. All right, Dan, you can put the bag down. How does that feel? Do you feel... that You feel refreshed? Well, that wasn't so bad, right? wasn't that bad. Okay. Mitch, you can put the bag down. You can put it down. How do you feel? Do you feel very relieved? Yeah, That's great. Thank you. All right, Mitch, you can sit down. Deanne, you can go back and sit down. Thank you, guys. Uh, Everyone give them a round of applause. Thanks, Mitch. If you want. (laughs) So as we saw... Deanne looked pretty relaxed the whole time. And Mitch, after putting down the bag, was extremely relieved. This heavy bag. This bag is very heavy. It's completely full of clothes to the brim. Um, (laughs) So thank you, Mitch. So we're going to read from Luke chapter 7, verse 36 to 47. So when one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. So keeping in mind Pharisees, what we've learned about them. And when I read this verse, when it mentions that Jesus reclined at the table, I thought, well, maybe Jesus is just a really chill guy, so they want to put that detail in there. I thought it was a little weird. But it's important that we think about, when we read the Bible, that it was written for a specific people at a specific time. So to us, that detail seems maybe a bit weird. Um, we don't really get it. But it was important that that was put in there because it denotes... The, the people at the time would have understood that Jesus reclining would mean that this was a certain type of dinner because there's these types of dinners where Pharisees would invite people over to teach. And when they did this, uh, they would have their doors open to guests and it was a special kind of thing where not every dinner you're just reclining. And when you're doing this reclining, you're taking your sandals off before you do it, which will be important. I don't know if you've ever invited people to dinner and someone started wiping your feet with their hair. I know I haven't. Um, but this goes along with this whole special dinner. This is a dinner with a Pharisee. Popular guy. Everybody loves Pharisees. The doors are open. I'm sure everybody who's there is kind of upstanding people. And this woman who's a sinful woman, likely a prostitute, comes into this house a house that she definitely wouldn't have been welcome into, but she came in anyways. And not only that, she had the courage and faith and humility and love to just walk right in that door, right to Jesus, not thinking about everyone around her, just focused on Jesus. There's a couple small things there as well. There was the significance of her wiping uh, his feet with her hair. So Jewish women, it would have been a big deal for them to take down their hair in public. But she did that in front of Jesus, in front of all these people, showing that sign of humility. Not just that, but there was the significance of this alabaster jar of perfume. Now this jar, the alabaster, isn't necessarily about the material of the jar that holds a perfume, but more so about the quality of it. This type of perfume would have been very, very high quality and likely very expensive to have. And yet she uses on Jesus. The other thing is the thing about the feet. She's washing his feet with her tears. She's by his feet. This is important as well because generally the only people that would be cleaning people's feet would have been slaves, not the hosts of the house or anyone like that. And yet she came in. This isn't her home and she's down by his feet, putting herself below Jesus literally and figuratively as a servant of him. So we'll continue. When the Pharisee, who had invited him, saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. And Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him five denarii and the other fifty. Small detail, uh, one denarii would have been uh What? Someone who's a laborer would get after a whole day's worth of work. So 500, that's a ridiculous amount of days of work you're owing. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. In their culture, we we see Jesus say all these different things that the Pharisee, Simon, had not done all these different things, but the woman had. So in their culture, there's a certain expectation of hosts and what they were supposed to do for their guests. So hosts, one of the things was that they're supposed to provide water for their guest's feet. They're not necessarily the ones washing the feet, but just providing water. Next thing is that hosts would give a kiss of welcome to their guests. Not necessarily a kiss on the feet, but just a kiss. As well, they would anoint their guest's head with olive oil. And it would just be common olive oil. Many people had it. It wasn't anything special. But it was something you are supposed to do with your guests. Now, the Pharisee didn't do all of this. And not only that, but the Pharisee saw this woman for her sin when she came in. Jesus asked, do you see this woman? I'd say the Pharisee didn't. He saw her for her sin. And Jesus instead sees her for her love and faith in him. This woman is worshipping Jesus with everything she had in that moment. Tears, her hair, perfume. She's giving everything to him and laying it all down. And the Pharisee, as I talked about, the way that this dinner would have been a culturally known thing where a Pharisee would have someone come over and teach and people would come over and talk. It doesn't say this in the text, but this would have been something that happened regularly. So in my mind, I wonder if maybe the Pharisee had become complacent in this. Sometimes when we're doing things over and over and over again, we're not putting in our full amount of effort. We're just putting in as much effort as we know is needed. The Pharisee just lets Jesus in, has him come over and has dinner. He's not doing everything. I'm sure he knows he can get away with not doing everything, at least until... Jesus tells him, hey man, this woman did all this and not you. So some of us likely become comfortable with presenting Jesus with what we're we're comfortable with. So I want to ask all of you, do you have things that you haven't presented to God? Things that you would say maybe get in between you and your relationship with God. There's This saying that like a lot of Christian people know that we're supposed to take our sins and lay them at the cross. Now, I think that in my life, I've known a lot of Christians and a lot of people who were far from the church and far from Christ and then eventually became Christians. Now, I think oftentimes when you grow up in the church, when you've been in church a long time, you're kind of starting here cross is here, you're here, you're close. You don't have to give much. You're used to it. So when you're giving, you're giving what you're comfortable with. You're comfortable with offering up the same sins to God over and over and over again. You're comfortable and not really trying to challenge yourself. And so a lot of us can end up having sins that we're not going to offer to Jesus. But when you're someone who is further, From the church and who's not used to this kind of thing you may have had all this baggage all this sin that you've been holding on to for a long time and maybe you've had somewhere where you've tried to place it it didn't work out you've just just been carrying this for a long time all this weight and when you're finally able to leave it at the cross it's so much more relieving just like this woman who's crying tears Sometimes that's what happens to people when they're finally able to lay their sins to Jesus. They end up crying tears. And for us and people who are so comfortable with things, we often don't end up in that place. When you love little or when you when you're forgiven little, little, you love little. When you're forgiven a lot, you're going to love all the much more. And the thing is, we know that for God, sin is sin. No matter what the sin is, lying, m- murder, but for us, we definitely know that. Like, if someone, mur- yeah, if someone murdered someone in here, it'd be a much bigger deal if than if they lied to them. <laughs> That's a bad example. Um, <laughs> but for us, we definitely have sins that, in our mind, are heavier. If we lied to someone and we asked God for forgiveness, that's not a big deal. If we did something that in our minds were much worse, we'd have a much harder time giving that up. For some of us, we might know that we watch porn. Or that we've cheated on our wives or husbands or partners. We might think that we're okay drinking a bit more than we should when we're alone just so that we can feel a little bit better. And I want all of us to try and think about what sins have been heavy for you. And why do we keep these things from God? Is it because of pride? Is it because we don't want to admit these things to ourselves? Is it because we've pushed them so far back in our minds that it's just become so, we're we're so used to it. We don't know any different. We don't know what it would be like if we had to confront those things. Are we just comfortable? So there's something I want to tell you guys about that's, it's, in my mind, similar to, um, there's that story, if you give a mouse a cookie, and then in the story, it's like, if you give a mouse a cookie, they'll want a glass of milk. If they get a glass of milk, they'll want a fridge or something. I don't know, I don't remember exactly how the book goes, but I think... When we give all our sin to God, we can love him more. When we love God more, we can follow him more easily. And when we follow God, that's when life is really at its fullest. Heavy amounts of sin are harder for us to carry. But when we let go of it, when we give it to Jesus, we're all the more relieved. It's all the more easy to love. And if you've never tried that, never tried giving Jesus your heavy sins, then I challenge you to try. Try it and see the difference that it might make. So, back when my wife and I were in Japan, we laid down all our stress and everything hit that much harder. That restaurant we went to, man, it's the best restaurant i ever been to in my life. It's the best experience I ever had in my life. I don't know if that was just because of the food or because of all the relief I had in that moment. The woman in this story laid down everything for Jesus, and as we can see, his love hit her that much harder. The Pharisee didn't, and nothing much came of it. And Jesus invites all of us to his table for a meal greater than anything we've ever had and offers his love for us and everything that comes with it. And all we need to do is honestly offer our sins to him. Now, there's a song that I love that's definitely helped bring me closer to God. And in this song, at the end of it, is a prayer that I'd like to share with you guys. And for those of you who might know this song, you probably know this prayer. I'm changing a little bit of it. Father, this prayer is for everyone that feels they're not good enough. And who struggle admitting they're not good enough. This prayer is for everybody that feels they're too messed up. And for those who struggle admitting they're too messed up. And for everyone that feels they've said I'm sorry too many times. Because you can never go too far. when you can't come back home again. And that's why we need faith. Now as we go forward, we're going to have communion. And I want us to...